Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have three guests. Our first guest is Tola. Tola is a culture critic and compliance professional. Our second guest is Ose. Ose is a hotelier a member of the PDP, the People's Democratic Party, and he uh, was an aspirant in the recent House of Representatives primaries. And uh, as they say in Nigeria, he was served breakfast. That's how they describe <laughs> people who don't win or so served breakfast. Now, our third guest is Salihu. Salihu is also a, mem- is, is a member of the APC, the All Progressives Congress, and he's also a university lecturer. Now, the three topics we're going to discuss today are, firstly, Atiku Abubakar's victory at the PDP's presidential primaries. Secondly, we'll discuss Peter Obi's defection to the Labour Party. And thirdly, we'll discuss the decision by INEC, the Independent National Electoral Commission, to extend the election timetable. So to Phoenix, Atiku Abubakar's victory at the PDP primaries Was this something you were expecting? Did you see this coming, Phoenix? Hi, Michael. And uh, hi, Tola, Ose, and Salihu. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, listeners. Um, I I think for me, from the moment that uh, uh, PDP had said that they were no longer, they were not interested in zoning this time around, I believe that it was to lay the groundwork for Atiku to emerge. Um, but I still thought that there was a, there was a chance, especially because, I mean, I, my, my preference at the time within the PDP um, was P2B, uh, and I thought that maybe he would have a chance to create an upset. But once he, once he stepped out, I, I, I believe very strongly that it was going to be uh, Atiku who would emerge um i I think i mean of course i kept my eye on wiki but i i just didn't see him being able to pull it off especially with with the with the way the um the delegate system is set up and atiku's um influence and strength um across the pdp i mean he won he was there candidate last time around and you knew that he had he had uh, a lot of goodwill within the party and uh, Wike did his best I mean I was surprised that he ran him that close but I think it was clear that to me that uh, the stage was set for Atiku to emerge again. Thank you Phoenix. Also you were at you seem to be at the primaries and I'm particularly surprised that uh, Wike did not win because you posted some videos. And I remember from the videos, there was this song that as Wike <laughs> walked into the hall, they were singing, Wike de Kamo, Wike de Kamo. And even I, who was sitting at home, even I was thinking, this, 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 song, is, this song, song is good. I could feel the electricity in, electricity. The, mm. in the air. So... How how did Wike, with this level of charisma and excitement, how, how did Wike blow this, Ose? Um, 
I was in the hall um, and every, you know, I, I, I was observing the delegates, I was observing the crowd. And it wasn't that Buke walked into the hall. All the delegates did a tour of the arena. Um, and so I think um, Ayim did, and people were commenting about his inability to climb. There was a dyer, so I was unable to climb. Um, maybe he was ill or whatever. Um, and I remember when Wike came in, the hall exploded. It wasn't just Rivers delegates, it was everybody. It was Katsina, it was Kanu, it was Rivers, it was Edo. The entire hall just exploded with, with an enthusiasm and an excitement I hadn't seen up to that point. Um, and so I, I, I tweeted that if, if it's based on delegates' reaction, then uh, Wike was going to win. And it was also sort of like an informed, to my mind, at, at this at the time, um, tweet because we had been speaking to delegates, um, we had been speaking to leader, leaders of some of the other states, and it felt like Wiki had momentum coming into the into the hall, into the, into the, that particular primaries. Um, it wasn't article, surprisingly. It was it was supposed to be a shootout between Wiki and Tambua. Again, just because of the nature of this ad hoc delegate um, and the national delegate process that had eliminated everybody else, governors, former this, former that, it was just these national delegates in, that came from each of the local governments, 774 local governments. Um, it was a banana skin, I think, the new electoral act threw up, and it seemed like we had taken very, very quick advantage of it. Um, coming into the primaries um, the night before, there were conversations acknowledging that Wiki was going to win unless there was a consensus amongst some of the Northern candidates. Um, the initial conversations um, were unsuccessful, but maybe the conversations continued early, on, early into the morning or even at the, at the venue. Um, because when Tambua came, came in to say he was stepping down and some of the other Northern aspirants said they were stepping down for Wiki. Um, that was how Article secured that the victory. It was very, very um, pragmatic politicking by the Northern interests. Let me call it, call it that. So I, would, I wouldn't, I, I think it would be incorrect to say Wiki blew it. I think he ran a very, very aggressive, very, very... Um, productive campaign and you know these guys had to come together to conspire almost to to rob him of of his victory um again kudos to article it's, it's not easy to build that kind of consensus um you know but but wiki i think i think did a lot of people proud um, and he didn't come away from that from that exercise uh, any less than than he went in Thank you, Osir. Tola, you were following the primaries and one of the interesting things was a few videos were posted on social media of the party chairman of the PDP, Iyocha Ayu, seeming to be celebrating the decision by Tambuwal to step down. And you could tell just from the videos that have been posted online that there seemed to be some sort of conspiracy against Wike. 
Now, in your view, how do you think Atiku should manage this? Or how, how, what, what, what would you recommend that Atiku does to ensure that the party is united going into this election? Because I sense that Wike we, will not be uh, pleased with these videos that are coming to light. Um, thank you, Michael. Um, I think that Wike won't be surprised because he himself is wont to play these kinds of games, right? But I think the joy from the apparatus of the, of the leadership apparatus of the PDP stems from the fact that Wike has been quite overbearing. He's made it known that he's he's almost like the, the money bag of the party. He has coerced, corralled, cajoled, and threatened the people that didn't want to do his bidding. I mean, the way he humiliated OB in the Southeast, for example, was totally uncalled for. Um, so of course the leadership, those who had sense held it in, or some of them who were a bit more immature, let it be known that they were proud and happy that Wike was kind of stemmed in his steam in, in his seeming like ro roller coastering of the PDP to the ticket. Um, I think Atiku is more is more than equipped to manage the situation. He's a conciliator by by nature. You know, he will definitely want to keep Wike in the fold. Um, he recognizes VK's campaign strength. If nothing else, the fellow speaks the language of the working class, right? I personally cannot take him seriously because he styles himself like a clown. But if you put this fellow in front of working class people, he speaks their language. He understands them. They understand him. So that kind of man, and he's, he's so energetic and vigorous with his mission. So that kind of man you definitely don't want to make an enemy of. So I think Atiko would do everything necessary to keep Wike on side. But one can't but be amused by how the events have turned out because, I mean, I think I asked at least 11 or 12 PDP operatives and they were all certain that Wike was going to get the ticket. They didn't see how. You know, Tambawal was there as a stalking horse. I, I said it at the beginning, Tambawal and, 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 and um, Saraki were stalking horses. But I didn't predict that Tambawal would be Atiku's stalking horse. I thought he was there for Wike's benefits to stem Atiku's votes from the north. But it turns out that I mean I I was being too I was being too simplistic with my viewing of this thing. I mean I saw what Wike did for Tambawal in, in in 2019, how we went all out for him. So I just assumed that the same will be returned. But <laughs> unbeknownst to me, breakfast they cook and they serve their hot pap with hot akara. You know they gave Wike and he, he he had to eat it. He had no choice. So yeah, it was it was quite surprising. And I'm certain that Atiku will manage the fallout because I think it's important if the PDP is to have any semblance of a chance in the coming elections, I think it's important that they at least go out with a united front. Even if in the background they're squabbling and bickering, it's very important that the public doesn't get that feel when they go on the campaign trail. So I trust that Atiku will definitely manage those interests. I mean, there are people who are saying that it's possible that WK might be a, 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 a candidate for vice for the vice slot but i doubt it but and even if he is ultimately i, I definitely trust the people to manage to manage the fallout yeah thank you tola let me go to salihu salihu you watched the primaries you saw atiku emerged and you saw how orderly and peaceful the process went does this fill you as an APC member with fear? Are you, are you fearful of Atiku's candidacy? Do you think he can take your party out in the 2023 elections? Salihu? Um, yeah, I watched it. A very, very organized and transparent um, PDP primaries. Well, I guess uh, 
anyone that knows uh, PDP and the caliber of candidates they have by default should know that um, Atiku was going to emerge. So Atiku emerging um, as a candidate of PDP was didn't come as a surprise. It didn't uh, shake anyone in the APC. But the beauty of it is um, there is already a blueprint on how to defeat Atiku. Atiku was defeated in ACN in 2007. And Atiku was defeated again in PDP in 2019. And the same blueprint uh, is already out there. And that would, that's the same blueprint that will be used to defeat him um, in February 2023 uh, by the EPC. Um, thank you, Salu. Could you, could you shed more light on this? What is this blueprint that's going to be used to defeat Atiku? Uh, it's a blueprint. You don't share blueprints. It's, if you watch boxing, Mayweather always argue that there is no blueprint on how to defeat me. But if there is, he keeps it to himself. So um, it's not something that will be discussed on the, on the public space, but there is a blueprint on how to defeat him. He's used to defeats, so he will be defeated again. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Salihu. Let me ask Phoenix, because Phoenix might have seen this blueprint. So Phoenix, what, what do you think? Salihu has referred to this, that there's a blueprint to defeat Atiku. If, if you were an AP, APC operative, how would you, how, what, what, what blueprint would you deploy to defeat Atiku Abubakar? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what blueprint. I mean, there, there are things that I mean that I've heard. And I'm sure most of us have heard um, how um, how Atiku gets portrayed in the north, and and how I mean, you know, religion kicks in and things like that. I mean, we've heard some of those things, so I, I would not be surprised if they roll that out again. But I, but if I was a member of the APC, I would, I would share. Salihu's confidence. He is not, I mean, he's stating fact. He's been defeated a number of times. So surely they, they would have some confidence that look, if they could, if they could have done it, I mean that they can do it again. So, and that's that's the that's the cross that the PDP has to bear. They 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 believe that uh, that uh, that they can cross that, that they can overcome the the loser tag that he carries and and find a way a path to victory for him i don't share that belief um i i am one to look at numbers i've looked at his past uh, his past attempts um i've looked at particularly the numbers last time when people were and i supported him last time because of course everyone knows i i I, I, I mean, I, I have no kind words for, for Buhari and wanted him out of there. But then you looked at it and you clearly saw that, I mean, uh, as a challenger, Atiku could not, could not excite, the, uh, excite enough Nigerians to step up to the plate to, to bring him to power. So my question is, what, what is he going to do four years later to enable him to do that? It, I mean, it will require... Especially now that we have an exciting candidate who's a dark horse, and and people are, uh, are plumping for him, I, I I don't see his path to victory. So, um, and I've said as much. So I I I'm not surprised that uh, Salihu is confident. I'm no, I would not be surprised if the APC is confident about this. I just want to see what they do. Let's see who they come up with. 
and then we'll, we'll, we'll begin to have the discussions from there. But I really don't see how he wins. Thank you, Phoenix. Let me ask Jose. Jose, Phoenix has said he does not see a path to victory for your party member, your party's candidate, Atiku. Is, is this correct, Jose, that there is no path to victory for Atiku? Um, I think sometimes we have these conversations um, and we are looking at Atiku or Saraki or Wiki um, in isolation of the fact that they'll be running up against the APC that has practically destroyed and impoverished Nigeria. Um, it's almost like saying in 2015 that Buhari has no path to uh, victory because he had lost uh, 20 previous presidential elections. Um, it, it doesn't... Um, work out that way. They are, every election is different. The dynamics is different. Going into 2023, Buhari is not going to be on the ballot. Um, we'll probably touch on it on the extension that INEC has given the APC. Um, but you can actually see um, concern, I think, from the APC about what direction or which direction is the PDB going to be and how are they going to respond or react to us. And I think when you have a ruling party that is being reactionary, um, then there's always going to be a path for the um, opposition. Uh, if I have any concerns, it's not about anything the APC is going to do. Uh, the blueprint isn't secret. It's, it's sadly one that Nigeria knows very, very well. Um, the PDP has picked a Northern Muslim. I suspect the APC will pick someone, um, to, to, you know, like um, using again the Mayweather uh, boxing analogy, uh, a counterpuncher from the north um, who they think will be able to um, wrestle for those precious northern votes with Atiku. Um, that's probably what is going to happen. Um, I'm not excited about that, but that's the reality. But you know, for anyone to come up and say that Atiku uh, has no roof to, to victory is, is, I think, um, being facetious. Thank you, Ose. Tola, there have been rumors going around, and I think Ose has alluded to that, that the APC might pick a northern Muslim as a challenger to Atiku Abubakar. Do you th is, is, this, is this true, or what are, you, what are you hearing? Do you think that's what the party is going to do? I'm deeply amused, Michael, because people keep saying the APC, and every time I read the APC, I have to correct them. It is not the APC, it is the CPC faction of the APC. That is a different entity entirely, right? Because when you say the APC, we're assuming agreement between the ACN faction of the APC and the CPC faction of the APC, not to even speak of the PDP of the APC, which is Amechi and Co. Do you think that they are part of the APC that will agree to such a plan? Hell no. So it's the CPC or the APC that's scheming and planning to put in either a Muslim northerner or to use Jonathan as the horse to ensure that the South gets one term and power duly shifts to the North. Now, let me tell you, I personally hope that they do present a Northern candidate because I've been obvious about who I'm supporting. But that to the side, if this is allowed to happen, obviously it's the end of the APC as we know it's one, two. It, it, then it begs the question of the country as a whole. Are we then saying that it is impossible for a southerner to win elections in Nigeria ever again, given that we keep hearing this mantra that the numbers are up north, therefore you need a northerner in order to win. I mean, we've, we've heard senior um, uh, elders, northern elders come out to say, look, 
they don't have to play along. They can present any candidate they want because they have the numbers. So is the South now conceding that in order for a party to win an election, it must be a Northern candidate that is presented? I personally do not see that the ABC remains a unified party and presents a Northern candidate. If the CPC of the ABC is to get its way and present a Northern candidate, I think for the first time in Nigeria's history, we will have a deadlock election, right? Secondly, I also don't believe that there is enough support for this idea of Jonathan as a Southern candidate for them to get away with that either. His imposition on the party as a candidate will take the people who plan to do it. It will cost them too much politically. Now, I know that there's this adage that says, okay, if you're in power in Nigeria, you have all the power. However, the ultimate power in Nigeria is the power of which is when people turn on the tap of ethnicity or religion, it doesn't, parties don't come into it. Self-interest takes over. And that is why people are saying, oh, um, Atiku, the APC has um, Atiku's um, number. The APC has tactics to deal with Atiku, strategy to deal with Atiku. No. Everybody knew Mayweather as a, as, as a defensive boxer, relying on the counterpunch and he didn't punch that hard. Everybody knew that. Or Ricky Hatton almost knocked him out in the sixth round when they fought. He waited until, until Pacquiao was past the hill to fight him. The same thing as, 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 as um, um, Oscar de la Hoya. I'm saying this to say that the APC is over the hill. So if, you, if you're a defensive boxer, you're coming in, 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 in the ring like the APC now with the, with the orthodox stance in presenting a Northern candidate, do you think that the South would just be like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. North, North will just go with it. I mean, they're both in um, House of Muslims. It doesn't matter, you know, we're defeated our hands up. No, you're underestimating the zeitgeist in the country right now. If the APC presents a Northern candidate, it'll be because they assume that they're, they're unbeatable. It'll be because they assume that the South will just fold its arms and watch. If the APC presents Gulot Jonathan without the express acquiescence, agreement, in particular of the Southwest faction, there goes another, another wahala. I feel like I'm going off on a tangent because the idea is just really busting my head of this party being so, being so unfeeling of the very delicate balance of the country and saying, you know what, up yours, here's another Northern candidate in, in, in Lawan most likely, right? I think Atiku can win. And I think Atiku can win depending on what the ABC does. Right. Uh, let me stop there because the the thing is 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 really driving me crazy a little bit. But anyway, go on. Thank you, Tola. Let me ask Salihu the final question on this topic. So, Salihu, I know you said there's a blueprint to defeat a tick when you refuse to tell us what this blueprint is. But the direct question is: Do you think your party is going to pick a northern Muslim to run against Atiku, Salihu? Um, no, I'm not in any position. I'm not in any position to say that because um, we have um, several candidates uh, going for this uh, for this uh, for this for this ticket. So um, the party will decide. There's going to be a primaries coming up next week. Either it's going to be a consensus candidate. Um, um, it's going to be either through consensus or through the delegate system. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But whoever the party is going to field, we're going to support them. But again, I, I need to make um, 
uh, one of the speakers aware that um, these are all speculations. We've had all these speculations in the media about APC. And I like that song, you know, that Wiki used to, used to sing in his campaign as he did sweet there. You know, you know that song. So we just leave people playing around, trying to understand what the whole situation is. It's going to keep on hurting the PDP until the party unveils a candidate. But most likely, it's definitely going, not going to go to the North. APC does not need a Northern candidate to defeat uh, um, um, Atiku. We've had it in the past where Jonathan defeated what Buhari and he got block votes also in the North. So it's about party. We have loyal party members. You don't see our party members cross carpeting anyhow, like PDP members that jump to APC, come back to PDP, go to Labour Party and the rest. But um, we'll discuss about this uh, maybe in another uh, podcast after the primaries next week. Thank you, Salihu. You've heard Ose. Salihu has told you that uh, as he they sweet us, go they pain them. So he's telling you that as it's sweeting the APC, it's paining you guys and it's, it's sweeting them more. So uh, Salihu has fired the first shot <laughs> at, your, at your party. But anyway, on to the next topic, which is Peter Obi. Phoenix, we were here last week discussing Peter Obi. And you and Irene, the guest last week, were arguing that he should be the wild card. And this week it was announced that he had left the party and was jumping ship to the Labour Party. Phoenix, did you see this coming? And what the hell is going on, Phoenix? Oh, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't expect him to, to leave. Of course, I mean, we had heard... Um, all the rumblings, uh, especially the stuff that was going on in Anambra State, his, his home state, and how they were trying, they were scheming to have a set of delegates that would clearly not support him. And, and, uh, and of course, his camp, I mean, Dunyo Kupe, one of his people had come out and said some stuff. So, I mean, you knew that it was always not well, but I didn't expect him to leave the PDP. But when he then did, I mean, of course, I was happy that he did because, I mean, as I said last week, he is the one um, person that I'm looking to in this current cycle. Um, and when he was clear that the PDP was not going to, to back him, it was important that he still remained on the ballot. And so moving, to the, moving out of the PDP to the Labour Party should ensure that, I mean, he, I mean, they haven't done their primaries yet, so we don't know who the candidate is going to be for the Labour Party, even though everybody expects that it will, it will be Peter Obi. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it, it still I mean, retains that excitement that that we all that those who are supporting his candidacy um, share at the moment and looking forward to see how that evolves. Of course, uh, we do know that, I mean, the Labour Party is not the force that APC and PDP are. And so there's a lot of work that would need to be done to make it happen, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimist uh, as always, and I believe that eight to nine months is enough time with the kind of energy that he has generated and the kind of excitement, which which speaks to what I was saying about the article candidacy that it doesn't excite anyone, um, and so I mean we, we wait to see what will happen, and and I think to to Tola's point in the previous question, if if APC does go with a northern candidate, what they would expect is that their superiority in the North. Let's not forget that APC, I believe today has 14 out of the uh, 
19 states under, under control, 19 northern states under control. So we can expect that they would win that handily. And what they would be looking to is uh, a, a south that is split between uh, Peter Obi and, and uh, Article of the PDP. So it may, it may actually be something that the APC is considering. But, but then again, there are several permutations there. But I believe very strongly that, I mean, he, he made the right move in, in moving out once he saw that, uh, that uh, being in the PDP was not going to enable him to get on the ballot. And, uh, and then going to the, to the Labour Party and we'll, we'll look to see how that evolves and how, how that enables him to go forward uh, with his candidacy. This election needs to be about exciting more people to come out to play. And the reason why I say that is when we look at the numbers, so between 2011 and 2015, uh, sorry, between 2015 and 19, you saw a, a very sharp swing in the numbers. I mean, in 2019, we had about 14, 15 million more voters registered, but the participation dropped from 44 to 35%. So if you, it showed the apathy, but it was clearly because you had two front runners who nobody cared about. Nobody cared. And that's what I'm saying about the article president, the article candidacy. It's not, it's not going to all of a sudden become something that everybody's excited about. A Peter Obi candidacy has excited people. And maybe that, that creates that bump that takes us to 50%. I, I, I wishful thinking, maybe we go above 50% participation. That extra 15 to 20 million votes can swing the election. So it's going to be exciting for me over the next eight, eight to nine months and see how, how things evolve. Thank you, Phoenix. Also, you, you've heard what Phoenix has said, that Peter B brought excitement to the process and was clearly an asset to your party. So how did you guys lose him? What, what, what went wrong? Say, how, how did you guys lose such a, uh, a politician of that caliber? I think the, the framing of the question is... Um, problematic here, um, Gege. We didn't lose him. He wasn't expelled from the party. He lost because he didn't see a route to victory in our delegate primaries. Um, I re re remember, again, this is just drawing on my own experience. When we, um, when we had the statutory delegates in play, I had gotten 14 out of my 21 ward executives, and we were going to win the election. And on the day the party decided to adopt only or to use only ad hoc delegates, my campaign DG called me and said, well, sir, we've lost this election because there was no longer um, any route to victory for me because we had um, uh, alienated the ad hoc delegates. We were, it's a leadership caucus and we were running an anti-leadership party. So we knew we were going to lose. And at that point in time, we could have opted out of the process blamed it on conspiracies or whatever, but we decided to stick through it. Um, there are many people that left the party um, in circumstances very similar to mine. Um, and, I, and I don't think, you know, you know just because you, you see that you are not, or you're not guaranteed a victory in a process you submitted yourself to, I don't think it, it's, it's cause for applause when you then decide to quit and pursue your, your fortunes elsewhere. Um, it's also curious for me because um, I, I, I like to think myself as a student of politics. 
Um, Labour is, is literally a socialist party. We we actually have uh, the SDP, which I thought Peter Abi would go to because you know you know if he claims to be a capitalist and he wants to join Labour and there's a dissonance there, you know this SDP, the Social Democrats, allow you to pursue your socialist dreams uh, through a capitalist framework. So it doesn't make any sense for me for arguably one of our most um, pure breed capitalists to go to try to win a presidential election on the platform of labor. I know labor actually arguing among themselves about why, why would their party uh, be attractive to a capitalist? You know, so um, like I said, I, for me personally, I think the framework question is wrong. Um, the primaries, like you all saw, were free and fair. In politics, there will always be horse trading and negotiations and backroom deals being done. Uh, if he felt he wasn't able to navigate through the delegate process of just 774 delegates, I struggle to see how he would have been able to navigate through Nigeria's infinitesimally more complex problems. I need, I need to get some clarification on this point, Ose, because online I've seen allegations that Obi was not necessarily leaving because he, could, he couldn't see a path to victory. He was upset that, in quotations, the party structure, whatever you guys call whatever that means, the party structure was handed over to a Chris Uba, who everybody knows is a, a thug and uh, the kind of person who should not be in the party. So how do you respond to that? Was it So you're saying the handing over of the party structure to Chris Uba was not the reason? Peter Obi got upset and left? I'm saying, you know, you paint him um, like a petulant child. If you're saying that he would abandon a calling, because I, I want to give the calling to rescue Nigeria because of local politics that he ended up on the losing end. That's actually even worse than what I'd actually even put out, um, that he would leave a presidential race and leave a party because he lost out to, in your words, I don't want to get sued, um, a local thug. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think Obi is a, a lot more calculating than that. And I think, you know, it really was ultimately that um, there was no path to victory for him within the PDP, just because of the way the PDP is currently constituted. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, um, but that was just our reality. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say he was a less than stellar candidate. It, it's a big blow to us. Um, but again, I sh it was a decision he made for whatever reasons. I've seen his supporters say he actually used the PDP as a platform to get uh, national uh, visibility, uh, which he has gotten. Uh, but I wish him well. If Peter Abi becomes president of Nigeria, I think it would be good for us. If Atiku becomes president of Nigeria, I think it would be great. Um, so I wish him well. Thank you, Ose. Tola, you, you heard what Ose and Felix have said. In, in, in your view, are, are you persuaded that it was this lack of a path to victory in the primaries that took Obi out? And secondly, do you think Obi made the right decision by walking away from the party? First of all, I'm going to be upfront and declare my bias towards the Peter Obi candidacy, right? So there's that. So everything I say, filter through that lens. 
But in 2019, I supported an Atiku Ubi ticket because obviously Buhari had to go for me, right? And I wasn't overly confident that they could win, but I thought that the visibility in particular for Obi was very important. So, you know, I was really ideally supporting that ticket with a view to supporting Obi later, to be very honest, right? The PDP is not in the business of winning the presidential election. Let's just be clear. I know I said in the last segment that Atiku can win and he can because he's seen the playbook that they used against him and he should ideally arm himself against that playbook if he really wants to win. But the PDP as a party has resigned itself to being a party of you know, a particular region or a particular state and some seats in the National Assembly. The PDP has resigned from actually competing for the presidency because if it were the case that this party was genuinely interested in winning the ticket, why would you elect to go with a candidate who in 2019 did poorly and poorer than Jonathan did in 2015? It makes no sense, right? Atiku is not exciting anybody. Atiku has been running for presidency since I was a teenager. And I'm no longer a youth, even by Nigerian standard. That shows you how long it's been this man has been running for presidency. It's like he's not exciting anybody. He's not going to increase turnout. He's not going to increase participation. He's not going to increase attention. He brings... From an, from, from an outsider's perspective, when I say outsider because I'm neither APC nor PDP, he brings nothing to the table that we've not heard or seen before. But here you have Peter Obi, whose record by, and, and to be honest, you have a myriad of politicians running for offices here and there and there. Peter Obi's record, when as compared against those people, stands up. His agenda is the same, create jobs, create an environment for jobs, Create an environment where young people can thrive, improve education as he did when he became governor of Amber. These things are verifiable. He left money in the coffers for the state because he didn't have enough time to sort of utilize it for all his plans that he had because the, he was fighting against the legislature that was upset that he was not releasing money for them to spend willy nilly as they wanted. If the PDP was in the business of winning elections, even trying to win elections, because I think the path to victory for Obi would have been difficult regardless just to ginger the populace, Obi would be the candidate. Do I think Obi left because he didn't see a path to victory? I think Obi left because the humiliation would have been too much to take. You had Wike openly daring him vis-a-vis -vis Anambra candidate. You had South, Southeast governors making it known that they were standing next to the highest bidder and it was not going to be Obi from the onset. This thing was a dollar ring, let's keep it, let's keep it real. Because what is, how is it that a party is returning to a candidate that has lost every single time he's been top of the ballot? He's lost every single race. The last election that Tupu won at the top of the ballot was probably the governorship in Adamawa. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. This fellow has lost every, ACN he lost, PDP he lost. Um, uh, uh, he, was, he, was, he was head of another ticket. He lost. He's been running since I was since I was since I was a child almost, right? So what is it that he showed them in 2023 that he didn't show them in 2019? That means that this party is serious. They didn't want to give the ticket to a person who could actually ginger the populace, ginger turnout in the southeast, ginger turnout in the southwest because you would Obi would definitely be a goer in the southwest. We also the difference between Jonathan and 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 um, and um, Buhari in 2015 in the southwest in Lagos in particular. So if this is a serious party that actually wanted to win the, uh, the presidential race, we know who the ticket would have gone to, to be very honest. 
Obi has to leave because he would have been humiliated at the primaries. It was not a fair playing ground. There was a lot of machinations going on, a lot of horse trading, dollar spending. And if you insist that the money in your account is money you worked for, you cannot be spraying this like rain. You know, so frankly, he got what he needed out of the PDP. The, the, the visibility in 2019 coupled with the visibility during this race. And he had to give himself sense. Do I let these people humiliate me and make me sit down for this cycle again? Or do I just, you know, carry my kaya and say goodbye to them? He did the right thing. He did the right thing. Whether it's because he knew he saw the writing on the wall or whether because he was not willing to be party to the charade and the dollar rain, he did the right thing. Thank you. I'm sorry, can I just jump jump in, Tola? Um, I agree with everything you said, um, but I don't think he did the right thing. And I mean, he may have done the right thing for himself, but I don't think he did the right thing for Nigeria. And I, and I constantly say, when you're going into an election, you have two blocks of votes. You have the ruling party's votes, and then you have the opposition. And as popular as Peter Albi is, all he has done is split opposition votes. It's going to be PTP opposition votes, and Peter will be opposition votes. And you know that then makes opposition votes the minority to whatever the APC is going to get. So yes, maybe pers personally for himself, he's building his profile, he becomes a credible uh, presidential candidate, maybe going into 2027. But I think for Nigeria, you know, if we're serious about getting you know, this country moving in the right direction, I don't think he did the right thing. Sorry, I beg to differ. I mean, I know that there is a cadre of voters that will vote for the broom or the umbrella irrespective. But I am betting that there is a massive middle that is so disenfranchised and disinterested in the same old, same old, that if somebody can ginger them, we can tell a different story, right? At the very least, the runoff, we can tell a different story. I People take for granted that everybody will just go and line up you know, behind umbrella or behind broom because they don't know any better. Look at the electoral map. Look at the eligible number of eligible voters. Look at the number of eligible voters that turned out in 2019 and look at the possibilities in between. It's up to the Labour Party. And I know the Labour Party is severely underfunded right now, you know, and I, you know, they, we need to increase visibility, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can ginger a sleepy middle class, if you can ginger young people, if you can speak directly to women, we can tell a different story also. And, you know, I know you're a PDP man, so obviously it's in your interest that a strong candidate like Obi doesn't choke his foot in the race, but we're here now. And there has to be a different story to be told. And that story has to be speaking directly to the disenfranchised voter. The voter that sees this process as pointless is gonna take money, it's gonna take hard work, it's gonna take dedication, but believe you me, People are ready because people want something different. We are tired of a tiku. We are tired of Bahari, Tinubu, Roti Miyamechi, all them. We are tired. We need somebody who can be, who can work, who has, who has been proven to work, and who is a serious third option. And that's Peter Obi. Thank you, Tola. Let me ask Salihu. Salihu. You, you've seen the stories about a Peter B candidacy. First of all, also has made the point that the Labour Party is more or less a socialist party. Peter B is a diehard capitalist. So in your view, is this a viable route to take? Do you think this is basically the end of his political career? 
Or do you think via the Labour Party he can create a successful organic movement? Um, so, as I made a point, I mean, if his values, he's a capitalist, he's going to a socialist party. I mean, they don't align. So from that point, I see more of a desperation from, 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 from Peter Obi. Um, now the question you ask is, he's creating a movement. So is, is Peter Obi creating a movement or does he want to become a president of Nigeria? If he wants to create a movement, then fine. I mean, that's a platform. I think he already has a movement. That few movements he has been seeing on the social media space I guess is what is propelling him to think that he can become the president of Nigeria, which at the moment he can't. Um, I saw what he did in PDP and I agree with say, why should he leave the party? He's a politician. Is he afraid of defeat? If he was sure of winning the primaries, he would have gone and, 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 and tested the waters because I guess there was this whole clamor of Peter will be, Peter will be, but he, towards the end, he ran away. You know, he ran away, and that's not politics for me. They were doing a lot of one million march for Peter Obi. If you look at the whole one million march they did in Nigeria, you count the number of people there. I don't think they are up to two thousand across the whole states of the of, of the federation. So whether he's creating a movement, the movement don't even seem like a national movement. It seems to be a regional movement, a regional movement that can still be defeated. Yeah, so I mean, him going to Labour Party and also coming about being a capitalist or wherever he is, he's talking about money. Um, he's not going to give delegates money. Would they give him the ticket at the platter of gold? Will people live all the way from Meduguri to come and just come and vote for Peter or be without giving them transportation money or without feeding them? They just leave their family, they come for free. Is this charity? Now let's go back. He doesn't give money. Peter will be drinks water. He has one shoe, this movement. Is he going to go to Labour Party empty-handed? If he looks at the return of investment of going to Labour Party and even PDP, most likely he would have even stayed in PDP because now he, if he wants that ticket, he's going to fund Labour Party. He's not going to only fund his presidential candidacy. He's going to fund the other people that are going to follow him to Labour Party to, to contest. Those are the smaller candidates because at the moment, everyone is all Peter will be his Labour Party. He's going to be the face of Labour Party. But um, I just like the word you use. Uh, I wish him good luck in this movement. But for now, Peter Obi will never come close to the Aso, uh, Aso Villa. Sorry, Michael, can I quickly respond to this? Thank you. I think oh, it's, oh, yes. I, I think it's really instructive that Salihu's comments that in order for a delegate to vote for you, you have to feed them and pay for their transportation. It shows you where Nigerian politics is today. And I'm not trying to be naive when I say this. When I say that the entire thing is rigged against real choice, it essentially boils down to who is willing to spend and who is willing to horse trade. Horse trading is normal in politics, right? But the kinds of funds we're speaking of, nobody, with, nobody who has made their money honestly will pony up that kind of fund, that kind of money. You know, he can make fun of the idea that Peter Obi is a frugal guy who puts his funds towards things that are just justiciable and, and things that he can he can sort of be proud of. But in 2015, was the story not told that Buhari was drinking Sasha Milo and, and, and he couldn't afford funds? He couldn't afford funds for the former people donated money. Peter Obi is not telling you that he cannot afford anything. He's instead telling you that he does not want to waste his money participating in a system that's perpetuating exactly what he is against. It's a man of principle. Having principle in Nigerian politics has been shaped to be a bad thing. You know, can he win? 
he has to fund the Labour Party, you know, he can never win, this, that, and the third. These are the lies that Nigerians are told all the time in order for them to not pause and consider the choices before them, in order to cause them to keep choosing from the stale, same lineup, election after election after election. The, a the APC will come, who are they going to present? Let's bring out the people's records and compare it against Peter Obi's records. And it's funny, where these people are funding parties up and down, WIKA is funding the PDP. The federal government is funding the APC. Let these parties bring out the records of their funding and where the funds emanate from, and let's compare. So that's what that's the charade that Peter Obi himself should be, should be participating in. He's left the PDP before, it's not the first time. He left the PDP because he did not like the fact that people could not have an equal playing ground. Went to APCA, lost his mandate, and went to court for three years. He was not on the streets killing people, making problems. Instead, he employed the Nigerian judicial system. Excuse me, this is the kind of man we're talking about. We're not talking about any somebody who doesn't understand the risks of what he's doing. And we're not talking about a Nigerian population that's perfectly happy with the same old. People are tired. They're tired and they're on a choice and it's presented us a choice. It is up to us to contribute to the Labour Party with funds and time and effort. If we do it, fine. If we don't, fine. But let people make their choice in peace without ridicule. Thank you. JJ, can I respond to her? No, no, can I, I just need to say a couple of things. I, I need to say yeah. a couple of things. And I think uh, Tola has touched on one, one thing I wanted to talk about, which is this idea that uh, Peter B ran away. She's already spoken to it, which was, I mean, this, this chap in 2003 was part of PDP. He left them, went to Africa, showed that he could do it, came back to the PDP. So if he decides to leave now, it's not about him running away or choosing to shut battles. I've said it on Twitter. There's no politician since we came back to democracy in 99 who's faced as much challenges as this guy and come out on top i dare anyone to come to to name anybody who has faced as much adversity as this chap she just spoke about him fighting for his mandate for three years got in and then they 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 removed him again in elections he went back and he got the election the electoral calendar changed so that that's on the one side but the other insidious um lie that is now <laughs> that has now come out as a weapon is the is the is the idea that uh, the labor party is a socialist party <laughs> it's laughable seriously it is laughable because yes it is a social democratic party it is a center left party and anybody who understands what center left means they would know that it, it doesn't connote socialism it does not and in fact, it is more akin to what Peter Obi stands for, if you know the man, than to say that Peter Obi is a diehard capitalist. Yes, Peter Obi is a businessman, and he believes very strongly in production. He believes in creating wealth. But Peter Obi is also a firm believer in social, in social programs. His biggest successes in Anambra State was not just, you know, fiscal discipline and saving money, it was taking Anambra from 26th in education to number one. It was fixing healthcare. It was fixing infrastructure. So yes, he believes in creating wealth to serve the people. That's, that's synonymous with the part, with the vehicle he's trying to use. So when people come with lies and say, oh, he's going to join a socialist party and is antithetical to his values, it's either people don't, are ignorant, or they've, they've brought that out as the new weapon that they want to use against him. And they should, they should do their, their uh, research and be sure that they know what they're talking about. It's laughable, really. 
and then, and then we and then we talk about you know we're, we're, we're asking for a new Nigeria, and I'm not going to expect anybody from any of the two big parties to be willing to, to come along on the chain that the people are clamoring for. And so it's, to, to Tola's point, it's, it's up to the people to show that they truly want change. They truly want a better Nigeria with optimal outcomes for the majority and not for the few. Because if we're glorifying bribing of delegates, if we're glorifying, you know, subversion of democracy then that's not the nigeria that a lot of people are clamoring for so let's let's see how it all evolves. and that's why i'm happy that he he did leave the pdp he's gone to a new party and he's giving nigerians an opportunity to put to, to put their votes where their mouths are if people have come out on the platform of nsas to comp, comp, complain not just against police brutality but against bad governance in general then they should put their, their votes where their mouths are. They should come out and then vote against and vote for good, good governance now that they're being shown what good looks like. And that's what 2023 is going to be about. That's how we're going to frame it. It's going to be about Nigeria and the future of this country. It's going to be about coming out of eight years of the worst type of governance that we have. And therefore, APC should definitely not be, not be considered. But PDP have shown us that they're no better. They should have embraced, as the challenger, as people who've lost the last two elections, they should have embraced what good looks like, enable their best candidate come forward, who offers the best opportunity among the field that we have today for Nigeria to move forward away from the malaise that we have. But they chose to ignore that and go back to the same um, um, formula that failed. So now that we have an opportunity, and before we always said that we didn't have a credible third option. I mean, who's going to say that Peter Obi is not a credible option? Even with the way that uh, both the PDP and the APC are attacking him, it shows that he's a credible option. So I look forward to it. And like I said, let the games begin. It's just APC we're waiting for now to decide which way they want to go. It's going to be very interesting. Thank you, Phoenix. Let me give the last word to Sally, because I think Sally wanted to say something. Sally, did you want to? Yeah, I just one minute. Respond to Tolani and, and Phoenix has just said something about uh, um, people. Uh, I mean, directly coming to me and saying that I'm, 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 I'm supporting bribing of delegates. No, just it's just an ethical stance, moral stance. If I was invited from the University of Sheffield to go to a different university to go and supervise a PhD, it's only normal for the university that has invited me to what pay for my transportation and to, and to pay for my accommodation. Are they bribing me to pass the student? Absolutely not. You can't go and canvas for vote from, from, from the delegate somewhere, call them to a state, and then you, you, you say you can't give them anything. No one says you should bribe them, but it's just something moral, it's something ethical, you know? It's just to say, well, thank you. So I guess don't put it in, in a way, no one says you should bribe the delegate. It's just an ethical stuff. It's just something you can do morally from your own conscience. So that's just the, the, uh, why I wanted to um, respond to. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I can see Ose's hand up as well. Ose, did you have something to say? One, one minute. Oh, yes, quickly. Um, Michael used some very strong language to describe uh, my comment about the Labour Party being a socialist party. Um, maybe he might have gone on Wikipedia to see them call it a um, social democratic party that centre-left um, because he was almost quoting Wikipedia word for word. Um, if he had done his research, he would have realized that. <laughs> if if Michael had done his research, he would have recognized that. 
he would have Wait, definitely it, 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 would have yeah. recognized that Falana and other socialists who had initially formed the Labour Party had come together to rescue the Labour Party from what it had become, a platform that was selling its it's plat- it's a platform that's selling tickets to candidates who were unsuccessful or successful other parties. Um, they have formed something called the People's Alternative Political Movement, um, I think last year, um, and had set it, made it very clear that Labour Party is a socialist party and that they would move against any candidate on the Labour Party that wasn't pushing socialist ideals. Um, again, so just something anyone can Google. It's the People's Alternative Political Movement. It's headed by Falana, who is one of our most vocal, um, most cerebral socialists. The Labour Party. Uh, and, 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 <laughs> and they align with the Labour Party yeah. and Labour Party's the Labour, leadership. The Labour, Party that we know, <laughs> the Labour Party that we know that, uh, that, uh, that uh, Obi has joined. Who's the most Who's the most um, Who's the most well-known politician that has been on the platform of the Labour Party that that Obi has joined? Uh, Mimiko. Exactly. So, Mimiko, yeah, Mimiko. where did Mimiko come from? And where did he return to? And and is he a socialist? I think that's the point. I think that's the point. Socialists are making that you know. PDP and other politicians seem to use the party as an alternative platform when they fail, and they want to prevent it. So and they made this statement failed after eight years. He too, he, and they made and they made this statement on the twenty second of May. Okay. On the twenty second of May. So I'm not talking about ancient okay. history. Okay. So let's let's wait and okay. see how they respond to Obi then. Let's wait. Anyway, and... yes. No, I'd like us to move on to our next topic because we can carry on this uh, debate. So. The INEC has announced an extension to the, I think, the deadline for filing the candidates for the presidential primaries. Now, and this has caused a lot of opera because almost all the parties appear to have selected their candidates and the APC was the only one waiting. And for for months, INEC had said they were not going to change the timetable. So, Phoenix, what, what is behind this? Why at this last minute? And first of all, can you explain to us what, what timetable, because it's not even clear to me, what exactly have they extended? And why did they do so now after telling everybody they weren't going to extend it? I think the first thing to say is that they haven't extended their timetable. It's just that they found a, they found a gap in the timetable that they could allow people to use. And the other point is, yes, it favors the APC, but... Uh, maybe the APC has been the most influential part in the in IPAC. I mean, the the uh, member, the group of all the political parties, and so maybe they've pushed for this. I mean, I, I don't know the I don't know the inner workings, but I can only speak to the out outcomes and what we see and what has happened. Um, we all know that the APC hasn't completed its uh, its president its primaries. It's done its, so you can say that it favors them. But if we're talking about the timetable that um, INEC rolled out in February, nothing has changed. The only thing, nothing has been extended, let me put it that way. What has changed is that they had a gap between uh, the 4th of June and the 9th of June. And so they said to people that, okay, we'll give you an extension of six days within that period where nothing was planned before you then have to submit the names of everybody who has been successful between the 10th and the 17th of June. Uh, 
So it's that six day extension that they've given to all the parties to complete their process and, and, then, and then put it out. People have said that, I mean, that favors the APC. Well, good luck to them. They were able to get the other members to put pressure on INEC. They had asked for more. Uh, they were looking for between a month to two months of extension. INEC stood its ground and said no. And so they didn't extend their timeline. They kept the same uh, dates that they've always had, but they allowed for, for this shift in the deadline for submitting um, the outcomes of the primaries. And so we'll see what then happens with the with the remaining parties that still need to, to complete their process. For, for example, as I mentioned earlier, Labour is looking to do this, I believe, on Tuesday or something like that. So there are 18 parties, and not all of them have completed their process. So uh, it's not just the APC that's going to be able to take advantage of this. Thank you, Phoenix. Also, is your, is your party worried? Because the rumours were that the APC had been delaying their primaries so that they could, you guys could pick your candidate first and then they would be able to decide uh, who to pick. So is your party concerned about this last minute change to the timetable? Um, so two things. I think, I think traditional um, convention has it that usually the opposition holds their primaries after a ruling party just so that if there's any follow up a ruling party, we can... Um, sort of like harvest um, from people who are, who are who leave the ruling party when when things don't go their way. So I, I was a bit surprised that we were insistent on holding our, our primary before the APC. And but I think more um, concerning for me is that you know I next shifted when they came out and they were very clear and categorical about not moving these dates for anyone, um, and then they did. And they actually made the point of saying it's only people who haven't had um, primary that can take part in this, that can profit from this new uh, extension of time. Um, away from whether there was any um, bias given to the APC or not, I think it's just the perception. Up to this point, I think a lot of people were sort of like leaning towards um, a more favorable um, perception of INEC and what they were doing, especially with the re recent electoral amendments um, that were passed. You know, so this, for, to my mind, is a step back. It's an unnecessary step back. I don't know why they did it. They definitely didn't do it for the PDP. Um, and if they can make this type of concession for political parties, I think even more concerning is that they are looking to stop online, I mean, all registrations by the 30th of June. Elections are in February and they're giving almost, let me just correct you into like August, almost eight months or nine months. Nobody, no Nigerian is going to be able to register to vote in 2023 after June 30th. It, it feels almost criminal. It feels like a de delivery way to disenfranchise people who might want to um, take part in the process. I would expect Peter B um, and Labour to actively kick against this if we're going to see. Um, away from maybe trying to mobilize already existing voters who don't take part. I would want to see new voters who hadn't registered before be given the opportunity to register and vote. And it seems this, this because there's no sense to it. You, you can end registration in September. I don't see why you have to end it in June. Um, so we will be pushing for that. 
Um, and to my mind, that's even more concerning than this ridiculousness they've done for um, for APC. Thank you, Ose. Let me go to Tola. Tola, do you think this new shift has given the APC an advantage? And what do you think? How, how do you think they were planning to, to use this uh, delay? Because if you remember, Buhari seemed to leave the country, which would indicate that he, he had advanced knowledge that uh, the party would be giving more time to conduct their primaries. So, so what, what, what are your thoughts, Tola? My thoughts are that INEC is, is an enabler, and clearly INEC is far from independent, right? Because of what use is it having a timetable that's been published well in advance that all parties adhere to that somehow gives the APC more time to iron out the clear confusion that, that, is, that is before the party vis-a-vis -vis choosing a candidate? You know, clearly the APC isn't ready because they're not ready to have a free and fair and open primary. So they're not ready. They're still ironing out their issues, their problems, their wahala. You know, the CPC faction, the ACM faction, and the PDP faction, they're clearly at loggerheads. You know, you can tell from what um, Akira Dorulu of Undo is saying with one corner of his mouth. It gives you an insight into what's going on in the background. You can tell from, from the court case that Jonathan won, won the other day that these people are not ready to go to primaries because choices are still being imposed or threatened to be imposed on the party. And INEC has indulged them by extending its deadline. Clearly, if INEC wanted to extend its deadline, it should have given the PDP advance notice as well. So this favors very clearly only the APC. And you know, for, for, for a body that's supposed to be independent, it's almost laughable, like you said. The president who, <laughs> the president has carried his kaya and left the country as usual. Um, there's this trip. I'm certain he'll probably take another one because he doesn't like to take responsibility for anything. So I'm certain the fellow will take another trip, as many as he can get away with, to avoid having to be party to the or to be seen to be party to, to the decisions that are being made in his name right now via the CPC faction of the of the um, APC. So INEC, as far as I'm concerned, has, has played a goal to the APC's advantage and is deeply unfair. You know, I think these are some of the issues that might come up. It might come up when when um, when these uh, uh, elections are challenged inevitably, <laughs> in, in you know after after twenty twenty three. But yeah, it's it's really sad that INEC is showing its hand so openly in this manner and taking a decision that favors clearly only one majority party. Of course, there are other minority parties that have yet to declare the candidates. I mean, for example, we spoke about the Labour Party. The Labour Party's primaries is also coming up post. But I think it's unfair. Everybody should be on the same level playing field and if INEC is going to make a decision of this magnitude it should make it well in advance such that all the parties have the right and the privilege to enjoy the new date and to make preparations uh, you know given given that new information thank you michael thank you tola let me ask sally who why is your party afraid to conduct its primaries they keep shifting the dates why salihu and secondly did your party have anything to do with the inex decision to extend the timetable was it just a coincidence or did buhari or somebody in your party pressure the inex chairman salihu um sorry uh gigi apc never asked for extension 
but rather IPAC, which is, I guess, the inter-party, some advisory committee that is made up of major parties. They ask for extension in order to have, uh, for parties to be able to conduct their primaries in a conducive and fair uh, manner. And with regards to the extension, it's not only APC that extended their primaries. For example, PRP is running their own primaries sometimes next week, and I even still telling people that uh, uh, they can still go and buy a nomination and interest form for governorship and presidential and primaries. So uh, it has nothing to do with APC. It's a body of parties that have come together. PDP are part of that uh, committee. So they would have um, gone against it. And this, like Phoenix has given a clear description of this. Uh, this whole um, extension and it doesn't affect the whole um, 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 the whole timeline for the general elections. And uh, with um, Talani saying that oh Buhari jetted out and maybe here yeah. no, one thing with Buhari is we already know no matter how you put it against Buhari, he doesn't interfere. He never interferes in um, in, in this kind of events. And I'm sure if you've seen through the whole news majority of people that are associated with, uh, with Buhari, either by birth, work, or blood, that went to any of these political um, endeavors, have all lost. If it had to do with him interfering, his brother-in-law would have lost in Kazina. If it had to do with him interfering, Bashir Ahmed would have lost, would have won in, in Kanu. If it had to do with him interfering, Farouk Adamu would have won in Jigawa and, and a lot more. So I don't think it has to do with him. And then if they decide to postpone it, so what? They are postponing it so that they can fix a lot of logistics issue. They can fix a lot of other stuff. It could be a strategy. PDP, go and run your primary so that we can confirm you're, you're given a tiku. Or else, since we already have a blueprint, but we don't have a blueprint for giving it to Wiki. So we're just waiting. Would we get the ticket? And then you come out with a strategy for it. It's all politicking. Whether they extend or not, the most important stuff for APC is to ensure that we hold that power in 2023. PDP is crying already. Losing power is something else. So whether they extend it or they don't extend it, I don't think PDP should cry foul or other political parties should cry foul. No. If PDP wanted to extend, it should have as well extended and give them more time for them to do whatever, but they were, they were ready to run their own primaries. Their APC is not maybe ready at the moment. So allow us to run it at the time that we're, we're, we're ready, that would not contravene with the deadlines of, 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 of INEC. So I guess uh, people should be more worried about how they will defeat uh, PDP rather than the extension of this, of this um, convention. On, sorry, I just, I just need to get clarification, Salihu. So you're saying, you don't see a problem with the fact that this request had been made previously. INEX said no, it was not extending the timetable for anybody. PDP conducted their primaries. The APC took no steps to prepare for their own primaries. Your president traveled out of the country. And then suddenly INEC announced that there was an extension. And you're saying nobody has the right to be upset about this. Can you, can you not see that there are too many coincidences that yeah. raise suspicion? Yeah, but Gege, the way you, it's the, the the way it's being put through is as if it's only APC that's the beneficiary of this extension, but absolutely not. Absolutely not. Other parties are also benefiting from this extension. It now gives you an idea. Okay, maybe PDP would have prepared properly. They didn't want to go through that date, or maybe they've already confirmed that they're even going to give a ticket. That's why they allowed it to run. 
But like APC is trying to set everything in, 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 in shape. We don't want to go and have a primary where the party will explode. We want to win this election. Things, you, this is going to, be, it's going to be one of the most difficult elections to win. You know, there's a lot of, um, of, 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 of uncertainties. Someone brought the whole discussion of Akira Dolu, which um, obviously is not part of the discussion today, but you can see. So we need to get things right. And if there's an extension that gives room for us to sort the, 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 the problems in house, then why not? Why should we go for, why should we rush to do the primaries if there's an extension? Do we want the party to explode? Absolutely not. So it doesn't matter whether the, the, the party extends its, uh, its primaries. It doesn't. Let the, party, let the party members deal with that issue. But we don't, have, we don't want our party to explode. We can't lose 2023 election. We can't, never. Thank you, Salihu. Let me just ask Jose. So, Jose, Salihu has told you that you all should stop crying or wailing about the extension, that it's, it's none of your business, that allow them to conduct their primaries, that you guys had the opportunity to do yours, so allow them to do theirs. Are you, are you happy with that response, Jose? I think um, beyond being partisan, being a partisan actor, um, I recognize the need for uh, institutions. Um, you know, I, re I recall after the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Buhari after they had rigged the election, um, I said my position was that now that the courts, the final court has ruled, we have to move on. You know, and for Salu to, to start to be speaking like this, that it doesn't matter, it doesn't care, it doesn't, you know, we should just go our will. Um, it, it clearly displays a lack of understanding around, you know, not just the institution itself, but perception that these institutions are able to conduct, are independent and able to conduct free, fair and credible elections. That literally are the columns that hold up the democracy. So for anyone to just dismiss it so cavalierly as he has done, I think uh, it's disappointing. I, I hope it doesn't re represent the position of his party. Um, you know, but you know, of, of course, people must complain and people have, civil society has complained, parties have complained as they all have a right to do. <laughs> and I think it's INEC, uh, this isn't even a conversation that APC, um, a, a question the APC needs to answer. I think it's INEC that needs to come out and reassure us that um, this was done in good faith and we have no, Nothing to be worried about. Thank you, Jose. Now, my final question also goes to you before we close, because you're the only person here who's actually been a candidate, who's actually taken part in the party primaries this season and lost. Now, there's a big debate about, <laughs> about delegates and how delegates are, were demand, demanding money from the candidates and how there was a, is it dollar rain, pound rain, euro rain, whatever rain it was. So I need to understand though, sir, where, where you, did you also, did you have to make it rain, as they say in America, did you have to make it rain for these <laughs> delegates or what happened? Can you, can you candidly talk us through how the, the game played out? Because I know you received an endorsement of, uh, I think a lot of the delegates endorsed you because it was actually a newspaper headline about it. So can you, Tell us what what happened. What did you have to? Did you have to drop something for the delegates, or what? What made them endorse you? People, the listeners want to know. A number of people sent me messages. Him <laughs> will sit down on this point. 
So I will I will try and be honest without um, giving ESCC um, reason to arrest me. Um, so the delegates who endorsed me were statutory delegates. They were the ward executives. Um, five per ward. We have 21 wards, and um, the majority of them from Urumi came out to endorse me. Um, with the new Electoral Act, I think it's Section 84.8, and that says only democratically elected delegates can vote in primaries. Uh, they were taken off the board. So it was uh, a totally different set of delegates that took part in the process. Um, and I'll tell you as it is, um, yes, money's, uh, I, won't, I won't call me a bullshit, you guys. Money's, people share money to delegates at party primaries. Um, fortunately for me, um, there, was, there was this really, really heavy conspiracy, very similar to what Wiki faced. Um, so I didn't even see any, any delegates. So if I was inclined, um, thank God I wasn't, I wasn't inclined. But even if I was inclined to share any money on that day, at the primary day, I didn't see the delegates. I heard they were taken to a remote location. I heard they were giving money. Um, this is just hearsay. I wasn't there, so I can't confirm it. Um, but they all came back and voted overwhelmingly for the other candidates. Um, but of course, um, uh, how they talk uh, correlation and not co co causation. Um, but I do know it, it's a problem. Um, I do know that even for elections like councillors now or chairmanships or even House of Assembly, people are, selling, are sharing hundreds of thousands of naira. And I'm not talking about the general elections that we already know have been monetized. Um, so in my state, you found a lot of uh, people with no known address buying nomination forms and contesting and winning elections across all the political parties just because they had, an access, they had access to resources. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of EFCC at the, at the um, PDP presidential primaries venue. Um, I, I think those, those pictures are refle a sad reflection of the current state of affairs. I don't know how we fix it, but it's a, it's a serious problem we do need to tackle. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your candid explanation. Uh, we are. I, I, I thought you'd, you'd make it to the House of Reps, so we'd be able to bring you here and ask you questions on behalf of Nigerians as to what is going on in the House of Reps. But uh, maybe next time, same thing with uh, you, Sally. Hopefully you two will run for office in future, and then we can drag you here and ask you the difficult questions. But I must thank all of you. Thank you, Tola. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Jose, for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting. And, and you, you didn't cause much trouble today, Phoenix. A lot of the listeners said last week you were, you were causing trouble on the podcast, but this week you've been... Uh, I, not... I heard the feedback, so that's... Just... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I must thank you to our listeners as well, who are always listening and sending us interesting and helpful feedback. But at the same time next week, have a fantastic seven days to everyone. Thanks, Tola, Jose, and Sariu for joining. Thanks, Michael. Thank you all. Thanks, Michael. Okay. And thank you, listeners. Bye, everyone. Have a good day. Thanks, week. guys. Bye.